You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Vikrant Shaurya, founder and CEO of bestsellingbook.com and the author of How to Write a Bestseller, helping CEOs, founders, owners, speakers, coaches, and entrepreneurs to skyrocket their businesses and their brands. Vikrant, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Laura, for having me here. I'm really excited for our conversation today. Now, give us a quick overview. I gave a simple introduction, but what's your 30-second elevator pitch? Sure. So I help entrepreneurs and thought leaders who have amazing ideas and stories to share with the world in the form of a book, but don't have the time to write and publish the book. So we have a done-for-you book writing publishing services through which we help them turn their ideas into a best-selling book within just six months. And that's amazing. Having written several books myself for someone who is, if you're starting with a new expert, a leader of some sort who has a book idea, mm-hmm. but not a draft, not a not a system ready to go, you can help them go from just ideas in their brain to a published book in six months. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge service to offer. And you actually, it's a done for you, not a done with you necessarily. So this is the world of what a lot of people refer to as ghostwriting, correct? Yes. So how many ghostwriters do you have working for you around the world? So we have around thousands of them right? Like in our influence. Mm. So the thing is, we don't have ghostwriters. We have angel writers. I love it. (laughs) The only difference between ghostwriters and angel writers are the ghostwriters take your outline and then they come up with a book maybe after three or four months. But of course, you won't be happy with that because they have written the book in their voice. Mm. And the angel writing is all about understanding the thought, the idea, the message, stories, experience, expertise of the client. And then writing the book for them in their voice by taking the interviews. Mm. So that's what the angel writing system is all about. Okay, so if you need an angel writer to help you make sure that it's your voice telling your story in your book, but through their hands, then this is where you want to go. That sounds terrific. Yep. Now, in putting all of this together, what's your favorite part of your job and why? In this journey, like when, of course, I started the business and of course, I am here now, I figured out that I'm really great at systems and processes. So my favorite part of the job, I would say, is going to be making complex things simple. Of course, in my book writing and publishing company as well, I'm working with our clients where they have really complicated book ideas. They have, when I ask them, what's the book idea? They tell me like, okay, so these are the five book ideas I have. I'm not sure whether I should write one book or I should have five different book ideas. So I have a set of questions or set of interview process. We go through that and then we take the idea and convert it in an amazing outline, which make it really crisp for them. Also, the readers who will read the book, they will find it valuable for them. So this is my strength. And this is what my favorite part is all about. Nice. So you actually enjoy helping the book writing process, not just running the business itself. You have your hands in it. Yeah, right. Nice. Nice. That sounds like fun. In your role, then, who are some of the different stakeholder groups that you need to influence? Because obviously, it goes beyond just the client. Mm-hmm, definitely. 
So currently, my team and I am focusing on joint venture partners. Mm. So currently, of course, we have tried ads, we have tried different outreach methods as well, like to reach out to our clients. But the number one focus right now for us or the stakeholder groups are going to be the joint venture partners. And uh, we are trying to do strategic collaborations with those GVs, like who are serving the similar target audience. And we are trying to create a win-win-win situation for all of these three people. And the second stakeholder growth, I would say, of course, definitely my teams, because I've started the business, but my team runs it. Mm. And of course, I have some systems and processes in place, like they follow that thing. So even if I'm not available to take the interviews of the authors of our clients, then they do the job, then they take the interviews. And then, of course, we have professional angel writers who take the interviews, write the book. Of course, I have something to share in the form of my business, but my team really communicates those ideas. They are doing my social media. They are getting me on the podcast. So these are the people who are like I'm really focusing on nowadays. And it really is the huge difference between being a business operator versus a business owner. And it's so easy for small business owners in particular to start and just do everything by themselves. But to be able to put into place a system where you can go and take care of whatever you need to take care of because the company runs itself. You've really yeah. put it into place. But that also means there are a lot of different people that you have to communicate with and make sure that they are understanding what needs to happen, understanding your vision and understanding, keeping you posted on what's going on in their various worlds. Right. Now, what have you learned? How, I should say, have you learned to shift your communication style, your speech style to connect with these different audiences while being yourself? Do you feel like when you're talking to a client versus talking to your angel writers versus talking to your employees versus talking to everybody else that you have to think and approach them differently? I would say the biggest change I have now in my communication style is asking questions instead of answering questions. Mm, okay. Initially, if I'll talk specifically about working with my team members, so just because I'm the authority, I'm the business owner, initially, several years ago, when I used to hire someone and they used to come and I always used to say, that, hey, guys, you have to do this, 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 that's it. And then they used to do it. But the thing is now when they come to me with a problem, I ask them, okay, so what do you think could be the solution for this, right? And I ask questions and of course to because these people are handling the system, these people are managing the systems, and they are the first person, the first people who will understand what are the loopholes in the system. And if I just tell them like, okay, so this is what you have to do, they will never share with me what are the problems they are facing in operating those systems and working with our clients and doing the things. Also with the clients as well, like initially when I used to have some client call, I used to tell them that, hey, this is what we offer. This is what we can do. This is what we can do. It was all about giving them or sharing with them that this is how we can help them. Mm -hmm. But now, like 90% of the time, I just keep quiet. Yeah. I ask questions. I really understand that. What are their publishing goals? Why they want to write this book? Who are the target readers? What kind of impact they want to want to have by using the book? And then once we understand it, and once if we really, if I really think that we can help them out, then we can share the solution. Just because they have shared what are their goals, then we connect our solutions with their goals. Yes. Right. So this is the major difference I have in my communication style. And it is funny how as we take over greater leadership roles and opportunities, recognizing the power of a question and to show your knowledge and to show your expertise, et cetera, you can almost do that better in some ways mm -hmm. by asking 
just the right question in just the right way and letting other people talk as opposed to just showing our own knowledge in its finite limits at that moment. And I think that's a big transition that a lot of people need to learn. And we all make at some point that really helps. Now, that's a success shift that you've made. What's a mistake that you've made along the way, communications related? So and if you could have a do-over and go back and, and fix it, what would you do differently? So I would say the biggest mistake is not which happened in my business. It happened in my personal life. Okay. It happened 10, 11 years ago. Like when my dad asked me after high school, hey, son, what do you want to become in your life? And I had no idea, no clue that what I'll be doing. And I really didn't want to sound dumb that I really don't have any clarity of my life. So just because my friends were taking admission in engineering college, I told my dad that, okay, I'm going to be an engineer. And he was like, okay, this kid is serious now. And he sold his land. He got my admission in an engineering college. Mm. And of course, I was not at all liking the engineering studies and all these things because I realized that it's not for me. Just because someone else was doing it, I told my dad, I'll become an engineer. Mm. And if I have to do over, then I would say that just because he had sold his hard-earned monies property and then he was able to got my admission in engineering college, I would definitely say like, please give me more time, at least two or three years to discover myself, discover maybe doing some things for free instead of going to the college and wasting his money. Mm. So yeah, I would say this was the biggest communication mistake. I was into that zone that I really must have the answer. When he asked me like, what do you want to become in your life? I thought at that moment as well, that even though I was just 17 years or 16 and a half, at that moment as well, I thought I really should have an answer of this question. So this was the mistake I had. And if, if I have to do over that thing, then I would say, I would have said him like, please give me some more time, at least two years to discover myself and my strengths and weaknesses. So as not to waste the time and waste the money. And, and I think that's yeah. hard, you know, and so many of I know very few, let's put it that way, high school graduates who know exactly what they want to be. And in today's world, I saw a statistic not long ago that for students graduating high school now, by the time they graduate college, we'll say four years from now, more than 50% of the jobs that are available are jobs that don't currently exist. Mm. And that's so powerful. And it's not just for high school seniors. It's for everybody out there recognizing that the world is changing so quickly that you need to be open mm. to opportunities. You need to be able to communicate with different industries and be open to learning new types of jobs, new types of skill sets, because what is available now is not what's going to be available down the line. But it's, it's also hard to tell people, and whether it's your father or your boss mm. or whoever else, to tell them, I don't know, or to tell, to ask for what you really want. We're so, even as adults, we're often so compelled to give people the answers that we think they want. Mm. The answers that we think will make them respect us or like us yeah. better, as opposed to being really honest and saying, here's what I need. Here's what I don't know yet. And of course, often when it's early in your life, early in your career, early in your position, you don't know the repercussions that giving a poor answer can have. And I say poor as opposed to wrong, just in the sense that it, this was an, a dishonest answer from you. And as a result of it, your father spent 
money, yeah. and very expensive tuition and things it, that, of course, you can't get back at that point. So yeah. now maybe he would not have wanted to give you two more years to find yourself as possible. But nevertheless, <laughs> it was a chance to not misspend the money. Yeah. And I think we make those kinds of similar mistakes. We give people the answers that we think they want to hear, not realizing that they're going to then act on those answers. And there can be negative effects and blowback on us as well, because then we get reputations for things that we don't want, as opposed to being clear and honest and working through those answers and those discrepancies with the other person. And that's conflict, which is a skill that most people are not so comfortable with or not very good at. I do have a whole chapter in, in my book on, on listening and asking those kinds of questions and navigating that conflict in my book, Speaking to Influence as well. But uh, it sounds like that's the big lesson learned, the, the life skills from there. Am, am I interpreting that correctly? Definitely. Now, even when a team person or even if a client approached me, I had a call with a client today itself, and uh, I'm not going to say the name and all these things, but of course not. he mentioned to me that he had a really successful business, and due to some of the bigger, like really top billion dollar companies, his business got failed, like he completely ran out of the money and all these things. Mm. But now, of course, he has started his own other business and all these things. Now, he wanted to share that story, and he told me that, is it fine if I'm going to take their names in the book? their company names. Although I was knowing that, of course, in the book, it's really okay, like especially in the States, that people are going to see you like if you're not using uh, the name of the big companies in a right way, or you should just simply skip that. Mm. But still, I told him that, let me discuss with my lawyer about your certain specific thing. Otherwise, like, of course, he was ready to work with me right away. He was ready to make the payment. So the thing is, I have learned from so many mistakes, especially the first mistake I had with my dad, that if I don't know the answer, the exact answer, I'll tell you up front, I don't know it, especially with the team members as well. If they come up with some kind of a problem, I ask them, what do you think would be the best solution? Because you are operating that. Yes. You know all the things, what are the good things, what are the bad things in the systems and processes? You tell me what's the solution. And then we'll work on that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it all comes back around to the ability to say, I don't know, but not just to leave it at that, right? That shouldn't be a period. There should be a comma mm -hmm. and something following it. So, okay, I don't know now, but here's what I'm going to do mm. to find out and to figure it out or to get advice or to experiment with something, but not just say, I don't know and leave it at that. That's not better than giving the wrong answer. I mean, it's at least it's honest, but it's not solution oriented. So right. finding that solution can be sometimes the most challenging part. And actually, that leads really well into the next question I wanted to ask you, which was about having those difficult conversations, those crucial conversations. I'm sure that since that time with your father, even in running the business, there have been a number of times when you've had to share bad news or initiate difficult conversations, feedback to a client or to an employee, et cetera. How did you handle it? And how did it go? Should you have done anything differently? Yeah, I'm going to give this answer in twofold. The first is going to be, again, the same story. So now I'm in the situation where in the third semester of my college, I read this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Sure, great book. And it completely changed the way I think about finance and life. Mm -hmm. And the very same day, I just dropped out of the college. Oh, wow. Now, yeah, so I'm in the situation where I am living in another city, right? I'm not living with my parents. But my dad used to call me every evening mm. asking me, 
hey son how was your college mm. every day i had to lie him because i didn't had that courage to tell him up front that i have dropped out of the college mm. it was really tough because i knew that he's going to be angry he is a really tough man he he was in army mm. back then and so of course it was really tough really challenging for 6 months i used to lie him every single day and it was really painful i was in a guilt every day i just used to think about it and of course side by side i was also working on a business and in 6 months that business failed mm. of course i had no money i was in a financial debt at the age of 18 and then I still my dad used to call me like hey how was your college I couldn't take it anymore I went back to the city my hometown and uh, my entire family was there and of course it was a really difficult conversation because I went there just to tell him that I have dropped out mm. and he was excited like he was a really, really like a family man and he always enjoys if the entire family is there in the house and I'm sharing now that i have dropped out of the college he is a really tough guy really tough person and i saw him crying for the very first time mm. but still like i had to just tell him that this is what happened now the thing is that i made those kind of mistakes in my business as well the mistake in the business as far as avoiding the difficult conversations first and waiting too long to have them yeah it has happened so for example one incident happened where the client was working with an angel writer mm-hmm. he was not taking care of the client but the thing is the client was used to call and used to email every week that hey like the project is not going on time i was just procrastinating i was just holding it back i was not talking not communicating with the angel writer and 3 months happened and still the project was still there there was no progress at all yeah. they were having some baby steps and all these things but it was not happening then I decided like okay okay let's go on the call with the angel writer and I told him that please give priority to this project so that we don't have this kind of problem but yeah the thing is just because that 3 months happened the damage has been done and of course the client was not happy even the book became bestseller and all these things so he was not happy although he was liking it that his book became bestseller but just that incident and it was the initial phase of the business now we always like whenever a new angel writer comes working with us then we do a kind of an onboarding just like we do the onboarding for the client sure. that these are the kpis you have to follow these principles if you are working with us and then and only we can work with you and we also do the nda and all these things just to make sure that these things don't happen so every nowadays like we always like tell them upfront that this is what you can expect and this is what we expect from you and now of course things are going smooth sure So now if there is a an angel writer who is missing a deadline or something do I take it to mean that you will now approach them immediately or yeah. much sooner and say hey where is it yeah. you've missed you're missing something Yes right It can be uncomfortable to have those conversations how have you changed your mindset or how do you initiate those conversations now even if it's still uncomfortable how have you learned to do it faster I can't be really harsh with people mm-hmm. right for example if there are some things happening so i've hired one person to do those difficult conversation for me so i have a ceo now who handles the entire operations if a team is not working properly she's the one who tells them you are not working she can fire them so i'm not the bad guy anymore <laughs> <laughs> so i won't say like this is the exact solution i'm i still am not really great at handling the difficult conversations 
But I have someone who has the expertise. She has done some operation work for some of the big companies and now she is working with us and doing all these things. So now, of course, my life is easy. Sure. And that's a big part of running the business, I think, is understanding where's your skill set and then where are your limitations? And if you're not good at something, yes, to an extent, you have to get better at some of those areas. But when possible, hire someone else who has those skill sets and where they are good at it and they're comfortable with it and it's no problem for them. Great. That's what I did with accounting when I first launched my business. I tried to do my own bookkeeping and my own and I went, oh my gosh, I am so not meant to do this kind of numbers. So hire someone and it just, oh my gosh, it relieves so much stress and allows you to do what you're good at and what people pay you to do and not waste your time doing things that you're not going to be as effective doing. It's not about shirking responsibility. It's just about recognizing someone else can do this faster and more effectively, more efficiently, and overall better. So they should have this job, not me. Yeah, right. Now, this brings me to an opportunity to ask you to challenge our listeners. We talked about a challenge for you, which is initiating these these difficult conversations. But this is an opportunity now where this brings us to the 24-hour listener influence challenge. So given everything we've discussed so far... I'm going to invite you to speak directly to our listeners and challenge them to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours to have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? Sure. So uh, one thing, Laura, is, of course, I'm in this book writing publishing industry. So I would say that if you really want to share your message to a bigger audience, then the best, one of the best way, and of course, you have published the books as well, so you know it. One of the best way is to write and publish books so that you get another audience, another set of audience who will be knowing you, who will be getting your message and getting your story, getting your ideas. So one thing which I need you to do is if you are really serious about maybe taking another, having another source of sharing your message, then work on your book. And of course, the first step would be like within 24 hours, create a book outline. The number one challenge people have whenever they start writing the book is They start writing the book and then they procrastinate. Mm. They just quit writing it. And the number one reason is they don't have an actual book outline. Like the table of contents, even if it is rough table of content, the chapter one, two, three, four. So for example, if you start writing the chapter one, then maybe if you are not in the mood, then you can maybe start writing chapter six. But it can only happen like if you have a book outline ready. Okay, so there's lots of there's a couple of different options that people can take. We don't want to overwhelm people with too many choices and too much work right off the bat. So for the first hour, it may be outlining the book or it sounds like even just doing a list of different topics. If you have Mm -hmm. lots of ideas for something that could be a book. Remember, the beauty of brainstorming is that it's just a data dump. There's no judgment. There's no evaluation. There's no revision. There's no judgment saying, yes, that's a good topic. That's a bad topic. Any ideas that you have, just dump them on the page. You can come back tomorrow and decide, yeah, no, I don't want to do this one. Or no, I don't think that one would be a good book. That's an article, but that's not a complete book. So evaluate later. But step one is the brainstorm. So whether it's about your audience, those four quadrants, an outline, or just possible book topics, brainstorm something. Yeah, right. Is that a good first step? Definitely. Love it. Love it. Okay. And as, again, somebody who has written a number of books, both for the general audiences with my Speaking to Influence book or more academic research, et cetera, that first step is so critical. Just get the initial ideas down because that's always step one. And if you don't take that one, the rest can't happen. So just no judgment, just put on your timer and go. And if you get done in less than an hour, great. It could be 15, 20 minutes. Just get something on that paper. 
All right. So tell me what's next. What's something exciting or important that's happening either in your company or in the book writing industry? And how do you personally have to be mindful in your communication around it? Yeah, sure. We now had expertise to make a book bestseller on Amazon, Mm -hmm. on Wall Street Journal and USA Today. And we have done it for several clients. But now our next goal is New York Times bestseller. Ah, okay. The thing is like on Amazon, of course, it is not that difficult to become a bestseller. For USA Today or Wall Street Journal, you have to get around 5,000 to 6,000 sales in a week Mm. to become a number one bestseller. And we can do that. We have the expertise, like we have a marketing team who can do that. And now the next goal is the New York Times bestseller. And of course, to become a New York Times bestseller, you have to get around 15,000 to 20,000 sales in a week. Wow. And that still doesn't guarantee that you can become a New York Times bestseller. And we can do that, right? We can get around 15,000 sales. But the only challenge is New York Times bestsellers only work with traditional published books. Mm. So, of course, we are a hybrid publisher. We produce self-published books for our clients. So now we are in the process with collaborating with some of the traditional publishing companies okay. so that we can... For example, if we work with any of a client and they also want to become a New York Times bestseller, we can leverage those traditional publishing companies. We can relaunch the book on their platform and then we can do the marketing for the New York Times bestseller. So talking about the what kind of mindfulness we have in our communication. So now we are communicating with these New York, these traditional publishing companies, right? And of course, it's a really different ball game. Like they are in the business for several years, right? 50 years, 100 years now. Sure, sure. And uh, talking to these people, like these people are really professional. And of course, somehow like if you are, because the first step is you have to talk to a decision maker. But in most of the time, you are just talking to the assistant. You are just talking to all different people who can help you get to the decision maker. So this is the first step. We have to work with these people and then reach out to these decision makers and then create a proposal so that it is again, win, win, win for all three of us. Mm-hmm. So this is what we are doing now. So learning to speak to the big time publishers like Random House and those kinds of... Yeah. Nice. So that's a very different world to speak their language as well. Right. Business proposals and things. So when we then look ahead, let's talk about future generations. My last question for you today, if you were asked to give the commencement address, the graduation address at a high school ceremony, what advice would you give the graduates And whether or not they go to college, since you clearly had both options for yourself, regardless of their major, regardless of their career goals, what's the one thing you would tell them that they have to do to be successful? So I would say that you have to have one skill that makes you happy and one skill or hobby which makes you money. Mm. So that's it. Like, for example, for me, of course, I'm doing all of these things to make money. Of course, I started everything in the publishing industry to make money. But gradually, of course, it became my passion as well. I also am now happy working with all these clients, all these team members. So, of course, after some period of time, maybe the skill which makes you happy or skills or hobby which makes you money could be same, right? After a certain period of time. But initially, when I, I also do martial arts, mm. right? So it makes me happy, right? So since three or four years, like now I'm training, for taekwondo mm-hmm. and i'm also having some weekly tournaments in it over here so yep that makes me happy and i'm working a lot in my business for the entire week and then of course i have one day like where i'm just going having some tournaments of course every day a trainer trains me 
for that thing. But the thing is, you have to have one skill that makes you happy and one skill or hobby which makes you money. Yes, good to have that balance. If you can, hey, look, if you can find one that serves both purposes, terrific. But otherwise, knowing that you're passionate about what you do for your work, I think helps so much in being able to just get out of bed every day. Yeah. So having a hobby and a job that you love sounds like great advice. So Vikran, is there anything you'd like to give our audience today? Yep. So of course, as you mentioned, they can, the first step in book writing thing is they have to jot down all the potential ideas they have, right? But what's the next step, right? For example, they have finalized one book idea, they have brainstormed and then they finalize, okay, this is the book idea I want to work with. So for your audience, I can offer a checklist, which is a bestseller blueprint checklist, which comes along with a blueprint which explain how exactly to use this checklist. And in the checklist, I've shared the exact step-by-step way they have to do. The first idea is the, the book idea. They have to come up with the book idea. Then why you are writing this book, the readers, the hook of the book, then the actual book writing process, then editing, proofreading, then author bio, book description, interior designing, cover designing, publishing, marketing, all of these things, including the sub-steps. So you can download it, you can print it out, you can paste it on your wall, and then you can use this blueprint, which explains how to use this checklist, explain all of these steps or sub-steps. So this is what I can offer. They're going to go to bestsellingbook.com slash checklist. They can download this checklist along with this blueprint, which can help definitely help them out on their book publishing journey. That's great. So bestsellerblueprint.com. Did I get that right? It is bestsellingbook.com. Selling book, excuse me. Okay, bestsellingbook.com. And even though I said it wrong, we're going to put it right in the show notes. So you don't even have to worry about writing it down. If you're going for a jog right now, or you're in the car as you're listening, just check the show notes out and you'll see everything written correctly there. And that way you can take a look at the whole picture from the bird's eye view, but also get the step-by-step and understand the steps that you can take to find out if there's a bestseller in you. Vikrant, thank you so much for joining us today. How can people learn more about you and your organization? Yeah, they can simply go to bestsellingbook.com. And uh, if they're interested in their, in having someone do all these things for them, then they can schedule a call with one of our author strategists and they're going to come on a call. They're going to understand what's your book idea. And then we can see like if you're both fit to work with each other or not. So yeah, just simply go to bestsellingbook.com. All right, everybody, you've got the website there, bestsellingbook.com, bestsellingbook.com. And we will, again, put it in the show notes so that you can just click the link nice and easy to talk about what book might be in you, what best-selling book in particular might be in you. Once again, Bikrant, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Laura. It was great. And everybody else, thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode if you haven't done so yet. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for your virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. 
Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.